Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. Parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent. Some of us are working with a spouse, but all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? This podcast will ask questions that can guide each of us to finding our rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. And did you know we have a Facebook page now? So make sure and check us out, Lift a Parenting Podcast on Facebook. Thank you for joining us for season two of Lift, where this month we are discussing some harder topics, but definitely topics that I think we all either might have questions about or might be dealing with in our own homes. And if we're not dealing with them in our own homes, we probably have a friend who is parenting and dealing with them. Today, we are going to talk about depression and anxiety. We have asked Jenny Gomez to come back and um, share her wisdom with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Jenny? Sure. Um, I am a licensed professional counselor supervisor and a registered play therapist supervisor. I've been the director of the counseling center here for about 12-ish years, um, and I've worked with kids and teenagers for about 20 in different capacities um, in counseling, different environments in counseling. All right. So depression and anxiety. I mean, we hear about it constantly. Yes. Um, I mean, I just read an article lately that that this isn't so much a um, student ministry issue is my frame that I also need to educate and bring in my elementary um, and children's people to be able to watch and look for depression and anxiety in kids. Yep. Um, so what are some signs? So I'm not, let me reframe, not as a staff, as parents that we should look for in our homes for depression, anxiety in our children. The, the biggest thing that I think parents tell me that they see and we're seeing kids that are struggling with depression and or anxiety is initially parents just saying something seems off. Mm -hmm. I can't quite put my finger on it. I can't quite tell you why there's not really an exact cause and effect kind of a situation, but just my kid seems off. Um, that's one of the things that I hear and see the most. That's honestly what kids and anybody dealing with depression and anxiety will sometimes say is that they just can't quite, they don't know why they feel this way, but it's just this kind of cloud has come over them mm -hmm. and they're struggling. Um, I want to break up the two. So with depression, you're going to see, um, you know, obviously this stereotypical, you know, sadness and hopelessness and withdrawn, um, isolating kinds of behaviors. You may say you may see um, changes in eating and sleeping and socialization and motivation is a big one that mm -hmm. they just don't seem motivated to do anything. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that you'll see, especially with kids and teenagers with depression, is things that you don't see as much in adults which would be attention-based issues and also anger. And so... So do you mean like seeking out attention or not being able to focus, hold attention? Focus okay. issues. A lot of kids and adolescents are misdiagnosed with ADHD that are actually depressed. Hmm. Um, one of the symptoms of childhood depression is a, a lack of focus and the inability to, to focus. And that's because my brain is just so overwhelmed. I can't quite stay engaged in yeah. any one thing. And that happens more in adolescents and kids than it does in adults with depression. Okay. And so 
noticing those kinds of changes. With anxiety, you might see kids asking a lot of questions, needing a lot of reassurance, asking repetitive things that you know Mm -hmm. that you've already answered this 50,000 times and they're continuing to ask you the same question in kind of a frantic, intense kind of way. That they're needing that reassurance repeatedly. Um, that that's a big sign of anxiety. If you see kids withdrawing and not wanting to participate in something that they've always liked to do, right? Maybe it's because they're they've grown anxious about it, mm-hmm. um, and and their behavior changes. When when we look at clinical anxiety and or depression, we're kind of looking at um, somebody where these feelings have become so significant that it changes the way that they're able to live their life. That it keeps them from doing things that they've always liked to do, and participate in and be involved in, and. The, you know, those are the kinds of things that we look for when it's when it's gotten bigger. But the initial stuff I hear is parents just saying, like, they're off. Something yeah. is off, and I, and I don't quite know what. So how best to help? Like, if we feel like something's off, do we take them to counseling immediately? What, what, what are the best steps? I think that the best first step is connecting with your child and connecting with them on their level not yours. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. Um, (laughs) Kids don't do well with a big sit down talk at the kitchen table. That's invasive and threatening and overwhelming emotionally, Mm -hmm. especially if you're depressed or anxious. (laughs) Um, If you're, you need to come alongside of your child. When your child is hurting, it is much more effective for them if they feel like you're coming alongside of them as a team member versus coming at them in an authoritarian kind of a way. Okay. And so to and literally coming alongside of them, you'll get further with a child if you're not making eye contact, um, going for a walk, start taking a walk every night together, um, have them help you cook, like pick a meal right. and cook together. Um, the car can be a time when kids talk a lot, having mm-hmm. a rule where we don't have our phones out in the car that prompts man, a lot of communication. We've established that. And it's been, we originally did it when Cody was learning to drive mm-hmm. um, and just to help us re- disconnect in the car. Um, but it's now a rule. And even my kids' friends, I'm like, people, people before technology, they're like, ugh. Yeah. I'm like, sorry, get it, get it in a different car if you want different rules. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But you're right. I think um those side-by-side conversations can be crucial. Um, can we talk for a second about how kids who might be going through um anxious periods or depressed periods and or both? reach out to peers in a way that um, sometimes is surprising to parents? Yeah, that happens a lot, actually, where kids feel, um, for a couple reasons, it feels less threatening, perhaps, to talk to a friend Mm -hmm. about how you're feeling. It also, if I'm hurting and I'm sad and I tell somebody about it at school, I might get a level of response and attention from that friend that is very validating. And so kids can sometimes say things to a kid, another child, that um, can be extreme. Yes. And those kids may or may not know what to do with that information. Mm -hmm. And I know as we're, you know, all being more aware and intentional about hurting kids and teenagers, part of that is training kids when somebody tells you they're hurting, what do you do with that information? Right. What secrets should you keep and not keep? Who are safe people to talk to um, and how to handle that? But um, as a parent, I think it's important to tell our, ki- our tell our kids that, you know, we are always here for you. We will always be here to listen. We will 
always want to help you no matter what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can't, we will ask for help and get help. Just like if you came in and you had a broken leg, I'm not going to try to fix it myself. I'm going to find <laughs> right. a doctor who specializes in broken legs right. and that, that person's going to work with us. So knowing when to ask for help is important. You know, I periodically, um, I think typically I'm, it'll come from maybe a bad day at work where I saw some life situations that just makes me want to go home and hug my kids. Um, but I try to often look at them in the eyes and say, I will love you beyond any mistake. I'm talking drugs. I'm talking sex. I'm talking, you know, a pregnant girlfriend. None of those things are things I want for you, but I, my love. And then we're also real big in our family about that. You're a child of God. Right. And if your identity relies in that, But God's love is bigger than all of that also. absolutely. And so sometimes just to constantly remind them. And so I'm trying to be better, like even on my good days to remind them of those things. But um, that's something that has really transformed, you know, how we um, address situations and things in our home that, you know, God's love is bigger than that. My love for you is bigger than that, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think I've told you this. I know I've said it on the podcast before, but we changed our family rules. Two rules. First rule, don't be stupid. Second rule, remember whose you are. And that is a child of God. Right. And so if Absolutely. you frame that, if if you try to make good choices, which is how we're, we laugh about don't be stupid, but that's make good choices. Absolutely. And remember you're a child of God. It can transform everything and if you mess up on number one number two is a soft falling point Mm -hmm. i think personally i don't know okay so why is it so high are we just hearing about anxiety and depression more or is it actual is it actually higher than it's ever been i feel like it is at the forefront of I don't, needs and problems that our children are facing and us as parents are facing. I think it's both. I think we are, it is, we have a heightened awareness about mental health in our community and in our nation. And I think that's a good thing. I do too. So when we bring something to the forefront, we're going to hear about it more. We're going to see it more. The more we talk about it, we, we normalize it. Mm-hmm. We bring it out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear about it more. Right. And that's a thing. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I do think that our kids are dealing with and having to process information that is challenging to their brain and to their brain development. And they are having to take in vast amounts of crap, for lack of a better word, <laughs> that is that historically that, that kids didn't have to. Yeah. And they are processing things and having to deal with things that their brains are not equipped to deal with yet. And so there's some brain overload. Mm-hmm. And that causes, you know, issues. And there's some big problems in this world. Not that there haven't always been problems on some level, but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot that kids have to deal with now that they weren't having to deal with. And I also think that because we do openly talk about it more often, it also, we have to be careful. I think that having a bad day does not equal depression. Yes. Having a bad week, going through a bad breakup, having a rough fifth grade year 
does not equate depression. Mm -hmm. And I think we are quick as a society to throw diagnostic labels on things. Right. And 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 kids also jump because kids can be dramatic. Right. From I'm having a bad day to I'm don't think I want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say I I asked my youngest son permission to bring up some of his story today, and he's very proud of his story and who he is. Um, but there was a time where Dan and I couldn't decide. He had reached out to friends. He had cried out for help. We couldn't decide if this was attention seeking or depression. And guess what? We took him to somebody who knew better than us. And we learned that it was depression and anxiety. And we did things to help him. And I think help him become a resilient kid. Um, But I couldn't do that. I couldn't look at, I mean, I didn't know. Right. I didn't know if this was attention seeking. I didn't know if this was true depression. Right. Um, But somebody else could help me with that. Absolutely. And, um... I think if we would have ignored it, because there's, you always look for the best and it's like, I, he's probably just seeking attention up, uh, you know, that probably, that could have been a bad parenting choice on our, you know, forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's important to bring other people in with a different perspective and a different knowledge base, right? Like I'm not a licensed counselor, you know, and, but I am, mm-hmm. and I still know that there's a line that. I can't see my child objectively like I can see other people's kids, right. obviously. And I have to know, even as a licensed counselor who has a specialty in this, there is a point where I can't help my kid mm-hmm. like I can help other people's kids. Right. And I'm her mom. I'm their mom. And no matter our training and our background, we have to be able to understand that we're human. Yeah. And we have human responses to our, to our, our, own kids. our peeps. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, even when Cody was a baby baby, and he had jaundice and he was like, he was orange, Jenny. Like if you saw him today, you would have yeah. laughed at me. But we couldn't see. We just saw him for, as this perfect little baby. And it wasn't until we brought him into the doctor and they were like, oh, let's go to the hospital yeah. and get some blood drawn and yeah. let's figure this out. Put some lights on your boy. But I, I, we couldn't see it. Right. You know, he was right. just our perfect little pumpkin baby. Absolutely. Yeah. So. What can we do to guard against this? I think you and I have said before. Our job as parents is to keep our kids safe. And so if we know anxiety and depression is at a higher rate, what can we do as parents to help them? I think we look for opportunities to normalize feelings and to talk about feelings and not just ask them about their own. Mm -hmm. Kids don't really like being interrogated. Um, But look for opportunities to model healthy expression of feelings yourself. And being able to say, gosh, it kind of was a bummed out day, you right. know, ask how they their day was and they'll probably ask you about yours. And you don't need to dump your stuff on your kid. <laughs> right. It's a fine line. Right. But I do think it is important to normalize. It's okay to talk about your feelings because mm-hmm. otherwise it's do as I say, not as I do. Right. And so we have to be able to share with them an appropriate amount of, of age appropriate information to let them know that that's okay. And it's okay to say, you know. A really sad thing happened today, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a hard time, and I'm going to be fine, and I am fine, but just kind of need to go take a bubble bath and go to bed early tonight, yeah. you know? And to normalize talking about the feelings and what are we going to do to take care of ourselves, mm. I think is important as well. And if your kiddo seems off, I think it's important to acknowledge it, but in a very safe and non-threatening way of, 
hey, you want to go grab Starbucks with me? I'm going to, you know. Right. And are you okay? Things seem kind of, how, how have you been lately? Mm-hmm. And then stop talking. I think parents <laughs> just keep talking. They like diarrhea of the mouth. Yeah. Just stop, yeah. shut your mouth and duct tape it and let them talk. Right. And then reflect. And so reflective listening is kind of a 101 of counseling. But mm-hmm. when a kid says, yeah, you know, there's so much homework and my teachers are so mean. As parents, we want to go into fix-it mode. Mm-hmm. We want to go into, oh, well, how's your schedule and where's your planner and let me help call your teacher. No, when a kid says, there's so much homework and my teachers mean, the better response to facilitate communication is, gosh, that sounds like a lot. I'm so sorry to hear that. That's that's tough. And then be quiet. And then they'll go, yeah, because my teacher, blah, blah, blah. And they'll start – and then, and then you yeah. have another little snippet of a, man – she sounds really mean. That's, oh, I remember I had a teacher like that too before. But don't tell them your whole story. They don't want to hear your war story. Right. But validate and then be quiet and let them keep talking. And through that comes the feelings and your ability to reflect back of, that's scary. If I was you, I'd feel scared or that'd be really overwhelming. I also have been able to use um, songs and what's happening in the media mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff and been like, did you read about this? What do you think? Yep. And um, it's interesting to hear their perspectives. They're usually a lot deeper than I would expect them to be. We don't give kids enough credit. Uh-uh. And um, that's always fun of, did you hear about this or did you? My boys listen to the news every night on their um, Siri or what is it? Amazon thing. Alexa. There you go. And so Alexa tells them the news every night. And at the beginning, it kind of gave me some pause because they're hearing about some stuff every night that I don't. I didn't know if it was the best bedtime stories, but it sure is good for breakfast the next morning or that night. As I've said, kids talk after the sun goes down. You know, it's opened up a lot of door of what do you think about that? Yeah. Um, And pondering different situations. Mm -hmm. So guarding against it is just open communication. Is it that simple? There is situational depression and anxiety that happens because of something, right? Mm-hmm. That it, it, you know, we lose somebody in our life. We get, we're, you know, people are mean to us at school. Right. Um, we move. There's a divorce, a loss. Something happens, and we may be situationally, quote unquote, depressed. We could go through a bad time. We could have a traumatic event, and that may bring on anxiety. Mm-hmm. But typically, over time, you're down in the dumps or you're super anxious and over time those things become more manageable right. and less pronounced and more easy to cope with there are other types of depression and anxiety that are not because of something that happened that are more organic and biological and that is not always something that we can that is not something that we can parent against mm-hmm. we have to be aware of it and that just like i have asthma and Other kids may have diabetes or need to wear glasses. Some kids may be depressed and have anxiety. That is not because somebody did something wrong or not because they witnessed something or lost somebody, but because organically there is some chemical imbalance Mm -hmm. that causes that. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. And so I don't think – I think that a lot of people really struggle with that. It's kind of a hot topic, which we're talking about today. Yeah. But – there is a, an organic basis, a chemical imbalance that we can't, in many cases, prevent mm-hmm. and we can't treat absent medical care, right. those types of depression and anxiety. 
others, yes, they can be more helped in changes in parenting and counseling and things like that. But there are people of all ages who have true clinical depression and anxiety, and all the counseling in the world is not going to fix them until we get a psychiatrist on board and we work as a team. Right. And we work together because that we're asking somebody to do something that they're physically maybe not able to regulate. Right. And we have to, we can't shame people or judge people or think that they just have to suck it up and be okay if they can't. And I think that's when we have high risks of bad things happening Mm -hmm. is when kids feel like they can't be true. They can't say how they're really feeling because everybody wants them to just suck it up. And they've tried the counseling and they've tried talking to people and they've tried all of it and none of it makes them feel better. And the expectation is that they should just be fine Mm -hmm. and nothing's wrong in their world. They should just be fine. And then that's when kids feel hopeless and depressed and ashamed and bad things can happen. You know, that's as we were. And again, Dylan was not a chemical imbalance, at least at this point. Right. Is is where, where we've concluded. But my husband looked at me one night and he goes, can he not just write a list? <laughs> <laughs> can he not just write down a list and see all the good things in his life? And it actually was a great aha moment for both of us. And I was like, but that's the problem right now. Right. Where he's at, no, he can't. Mm-mm. And in fact, the list might even be damaging. Be right. You know, and it was just that. But again, that was through the help of a counselor. Right. That guided us down that path. Um, so, well, here we come to the end. And we could probably talk about this for another week. Um, so I want to say we have just brushed the topic of anxiety and depression and parenting. But hardest question of the podcast, if you could pick parent, child, teenager, so pick your age group, what's one thing you wish they knew? I think that parents need to know, I'm going to choose parents, picking on parents today. Well, parents are listening. Kids aren't. Right. It's a fair And it's parents a fair have pick. more ability to do things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Parents, a couple things. One, I think that when your kid is struggling, there are things you can do differently that will help. And it's important to seek help to know what those things are. Yeah. You know, keeping their world consistent, building in routines and structure, you know, normalizing their feelings. There's things that you can do and that will help. Mm-hmm. But that there are also times when um, you need more help. Right. And And don't, I think a lot of parents in their head are like, no, I'm never going to never going to call the doctor. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. And that's a never that you don't want to say. Mm-hmm. It's not worth the risk. It's not worth it. And and know when to ask for help and trust the professionals because I have a lot of parents that feel like they know better than MDs. Right. And sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to say that there aren't points where that's a very valid thing. So, right. But you always need to be an advocate for your child. You have to be an advocate for your child. But at a point, you have to listen to reason and medical science and research and I am never going to kid around about my kids mental health no I'm not and um, I tend to be very conservative when it comes to use of medication or use of other kinds of therapies but I'm not ever going to say no just because of an idea in my head that says well I'm never going to do that right I'm not going to do that when it comes to my kids health right and and we have to be open to what does our child need trusting professionals who we can trust and finding good ones mm-hmm. and um, and a lot of prayer <laughs> and, and getting through it. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Happy to help anytime. 
So just for the listeners, um, if the past three um, episodes have just been a little much for you, next time we're talking about how to jump into college life from high school, and we're bringing in a parent that is a parent of five that is going to help us um, ease that transition. So for all you senior moms, make sure you listen next week. Thanks again, Jenny. Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate all that you do to help lift connect with others. Make sure and go like our Facebook page where we give information about our guests, upload our podcast each week. And I just want to say, remember, if you need anything or any of these podcasts, bring deeper questions. You can always reach out to me at St. Andrew. Look forward to connecting with you on our next episode.